Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's June. It's time for another 805 conversation. And we love to talk with interesting people that you'll want to know better. We do a webinar series that's sponsored by Citrix. And uh, we're doing a podcast series. So we record every other Friday. And we'll look for news uh, in middle July, late July. We'll release it when we've got probably 10 or 15 interviews in the can. And we're very excited about that new uh, thing that we're doing on these conversations. So um, we just want to start with a little bit of housekeeping. If you have questions, ask them in the side panel. Um, if you want to tweet, though, I would ask that you just kind of pay attention. But if you want to tweet afterwards, use that hashtag that you see on the screen. And then you can follow us on 805 Connect. And if you're a member of 805 Connect, you're already getting our newsletter and our, our emails and things like that. We, we appreciate um, all of that. We also are recording this and going to put it up. And if you feel so inclined, please, you could retweet, retweet that if you've got some value out of it and other people can listen to it. We also want to thank the partners of 805 Connect, the main project. Um, if you want to learn more about the partners, you can go to 805connect.com partners. It's right there on the main page. Couldn't do this without them. And we couldn't do this without good, smart, interesting people in the region. So I'd like to um, welcome Alan Irwin. You're our live performance specialist. I want to yeah. hear all about what that is. And Kimberly, you've been on 805 Conversations before, and you're the um, speaking strategist. And so uh, why, why we're doing today is that we've been talking about public speaking and speaking and presentations. What we haven't had a conversation about till today is the actual presentation part. Like, okay, I'm already, I've got my story done. Now I'm going to be on stage and uh, let, let the freak out begin. But I understand in, in talking with the two of you that you've got some great tips. So um, with that, I'd like to just get started. And, and Alan, so you know, the way we do our 805 conversations is we, um, we love the law of threes. So our format is we've got three questions. We'll spend, I don't know, six or seven minutes and let it ping pong between the two of you. I'll jump in uh, if there's a break and then uh, we'll do a little wrap up. And at the end of the hour, uh, we'll take questions. I'll actually keep the questions up here. So if people ask them while we're going and it feels right, I'll just inter interject. Okay. Does that sound good? Great. Sounds great. Thank you. So um, the, the first thing I'd like to talk about, or I'd like to hear your thoughts, and Alan, why don't we start with you, about engaging with your audience. What do you mean ah, by that? That classic question. Um, what's interesting to me about engaging the audience is that I think we all want it. We have a vague sense of what it is, but it means a little bit different for everybody. And I also want to make it clear that I've seen lots of different ways people engage the audience. So... I almost want to throw it to you two to tell me what you think engaging the audience means. And I will talk about my mind. I'm not trying to get out of this. I just kind of want to hear your thoughts. Well, I, I we think one of the classic this, the classic trick of engaging your audience is ask the audience a question. And you just did that. Okay. One for me. <laughs> So, okay, well, no, honestly, Mark, what is engaging the audience? What does it mean to you? Um, I, I would give you an answer. I said, if you want to be more engaging, be more engaged. 
By that okay, I mean but- being very present, being very passionate, being very excited about being there. You're at least been the feedback I get when I'm on stage. When I'm really into it, that comes across. What does it mean when they're engaged, though? What is what is the audience when it's engaged? They're not doing this. Yes. Okay. Sure. Gotcha. It's a visible thing, and and today that's even harder. Uh, that's a real distraction for the people around them, and it's distraction right. for the speaker. But you know you've lost them because there's no way they're paying attention to you. Right. Kimberly, I'll throw it to you. What does it mean when the audience is engaged? When when they're engaged, they're almost creating this experience with you as as a speaker. So rather than you talking at them and they are disconnected, you are creating together. So they're, if you're feeling emotions as a speaker, they're feeling emotions mm, as right. an audience. Sure. Um, and, and again, I, this is loaded because I'm springing this on you too and I've clearly spent I'm thinking about it, but I think it, the essence of it is the audience is focused on you, right? They're not focused on their cell phone or whatever else is going on, and and I don't necessarily think that they're in the same emotion that I'm at, but that I've got their emotions, if not under control, at least impacted by what I do, right? So whatever I do impacts the audience. They're engaged with what I'm doing, and Mark, you touched on one of those techniques which is yeah I'm asking you to to give me your thoughts because then you have to think about it and you have to be where I am but if you generalize that one method of engaging the audience is interacting with them and it may be through a question sure. or through a joke or some other method of getting their attention to focus on you and uh, to make it clear when they when I talk about being a performance person I come from a background of improvisational work improvisational theater comedy and so a lot of it for me is engaging my partners on stage it's right. usually more than one person I'm interacting but the trick around giving a speech or teaching or Q&A's or anything is that that other person for me is my partner on stage what can I build with the audience to create an experience anything I talking about or trying to teach the difference between a live or any time I'm speaking is that I'm interacting with an audience otherwise I write an article and I publish it I mean and that's fine that's sure. that's all that value and sure. all the rest of it but what's different is the audience and that's for me what changed everything as I started thinking about my background of speaking originally was very technical I come from a sciences and engineering background and if you've ever sat through technical talks they tend to be dry and right overly right. informative <laughs> I like that overly informative yes uh, and, and there's a reason for that and and there's certain status and issues that go into all of that I mean it's its own culture but when I, even in those situations, when I started thinking about interacting with the audience and bringing them on board, it changed everything and give made me an, the Give me an example of that, Alan. Uh, okay, sure. This is my, one of my stories I love talking about is, okay, well, actually, I'll bring him something more current. Just recently, I was chairing a session on infrared testing or electro-optical testing very technical stimulating and say again stimulating oh yes yeah, yes really people come there to wake up <laughs> paid money up. first thing in the morning go to go to a talk on infrared testing but partway through uh, 
the projector, or it was a computer that, that was being projecting their PowerPoint presentations, died. Mm. And there was some hustle and bustle to get something going, and we actually had a person there who was technically following it, but suddenly I'm, and these are timed. You, you've got to be on time. The next paper starts at a certain time. So I'm sort of stuck. So I look out to the audience, and it's like, all right, they're uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable where we go from there. So I said, okay, we're just going to start this paper, and I'm going to interpretively expose it as a puppet show. And just started talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I had barely gotten when the technical guy got everything running and, and we got back up on board and it all went fine. But afterwards, everyone in that session remembered the puppet show. There yeah. wasn't really a puppet show, but that's what they remembered. And it was a way of dealing with a problem, inter keeping the audience connected and interacting right. with them. And part of my own insanity, I'm not recommending everybody go off and do a puppet show. That's not the specific technique. It's finding a way to, to interact with them and to acknowledge where they are, because they're uncomfortable. So, Kimberly, what what have you found that works? Then I want to move to our second question. Do you do you have like one of those those tricks that you've got chambered up, ready to go? Well, I think for me, and in the work that I do, one of the most critical opportunities is your opening. Mm. So here, when you open your talk, if you start by saying, oh, thank you very much for being here, and it's a lovely day outside. Like, no, we don't care about that. We, we want to get to it. As an audience, we're restless. We're, you know, our time is valuable, right? So if you can open with a really compelling personal story mm. about something that happened in your life or something you believe in or something you stand for, but something that's just has the audience kind of almost on the edge of their seats. Really? That will endear them to you. Oh, great. I love that. Let's let's go to our, our second one. And and when I saw this as your second lead, Alan, I thought this is really interesting because I have a challenge with this. Um, so we're we're talking about performance, we're talking about tips and tricks. Someone something that if someone has to go give a talk this afternoon or tonight they could use. So how does character play a part in these professional presentations? We're not, you know, we're not improvers, but how, how does that work as a business person? Good question. I mean, uh, to hear about character and character work, you think actors and performances, and I think that's where I came from with it originally as well. But I see character as a way to get outside of your comfort zone into unexplored areas. Um, uh, something that we often do, especially as kids, is model behavior. Right? So you see somebody that does something you're interested in, that you like, you start to model that behavior. Well, think of that as character work, that you can expand that to anything. If you need to be more theatrical in your performance, you want to get very more expressive with your hands, move around the stage, be interesting to watch, Find somebody that does that already and be them as a character. Now, and I'm not saying always copy somebody, but for you, take on that character, especially when you're learning or trying new techniques and methods. The character will ultimately become you. You'll take that on as part of your presentation. But that's how I, when, when I actually got to the point where I was clear with this technique, I use that a lot when exploring something new or making a new presentation on something that I'm unfamiliar with. I'll watch somebody else who presents it, or I'll have some idea of somebody who would be good at doing that type of presentation, and I, I 
become that character. That's the trick. What does that mean? Their tone of voice, the way they move. But if you imagine you're being that character, it gets you out of yourself. So uh -huh. all those normal limits of your own comfort zone. It's like, well, okay, for now I'm being Mr. Confident Guy, and Mr. Confident Guy would do this. So I'm going to go ahead and do it mm. because that's not Alan. It's just Mr. Confident Guy, and I can be him for a while. So I don't know if that's clear, but it's a it's a very distinct technique. Who's let me, the guy you're trying to be? So let me ask a different and a little bit differently because you just said I'm not being a character. When I think character, I think of I mean actually a person or a physical character. But you're talking about an affect or a, a way of thinking. So would be a way of doing it. Say um, I want to take on the character of an expert in this topic, whether yes. I really am or not. For this 20 minutes I'm giving the talk, I'm going to be the world's expert at this time on this talk. Is that a way? Is that being in character? Absolutely. Um, let me combine that with another thing you hear often. To teach, you only need to be like 30 minutes ahead of everybody else, right? You don't necessarily <laughs> I have not need heard to be that. I love that. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. yeah. Just be like a chapter or 30 minutes ahead of everybody else, and you can teach. But if you're thinking, dear God, I'm only 30 minutes ahead of everybody else, you don't give that sense of confidence. Mm. If instead you picture yourself as the expert and come on as the expert, that character, then the fact that you're only 30 minutes ahead is less important because you're giving that sense of confidence and everybody can react to it. Kimberly, what, what, when do you think about, I know you've, you've trained, what, 100 speakers now, and they get really... Uh, afraid because they're going to be on the TEDx stage or they're in front of a, a huge auditorium of their peers. Uh, does character come into the kind of coaching you do? Absolutely. And this is this is just another great, great tool. A, a lot of people go so far with character as to name the character. So they have this whole persona and the way the character stands and the way the character gestures, which is very perhaps different for someone who is more reserved and, you know, a little more timid. And this can work really well for speakers who are are not used to speaking but are just sort of starting out and getting, getting going with their um, public speaking. And so by stepping into that character, it's like this alternate identity that gives you freedom to just explore and, and do things that you would never do. And I've learned a lot of this actually from Alan and it, oh. for my own work um, in public speaking because it, I was wondering, well, you know, I would never really do that in real life, but that's okay. When you're speaking, you, you again, we talked about engagement and how much, how important it is to grab the attention of the audience. And so, if, if you can step into a character of your creation that is a little bit different than what you would normally do, but it fits the material that you're wanting to come across, that can have an incredible effect, not only on the audience, but in your confidence as well. So, so speak about confidence for a second, because I think that's, you know, we, we talk a lot about certainty and confidence and just showing up just you know, you feel prepared, your certainty is improved because you feel like you've got a grasp of the material. Do you think you can, from your experience, Alan, you can kind of hold the content in your head. Again, we practice no notes. So it's kind of all the contents in your head and 
processing this character and processing my things I have to do on stage. Look to the left, look to the right, look in the center, all of that. How do you how do you manage all those voices? So now the characters are in my head telling me how to make this thing go on. What, how do I do that? Practice. Um, <laughs> Practice. Okay. What, I second that, that yeah. anyway. Yeah, exactly. I think people know me as being a very extemporaneous speaker. What they don't realize is that I spend a lot of time memorizing the core line. And all I've got a script often word to word, I've got it memorized and in my head. I vary from that a lot because I am interacting with the audience and I will slow things down, speed things up, be more animated, be less animated, uh, depending on what I'm getting from the audience. And so there's a lot of preparation to being spontaneous. I think that's what the confidence is you're trying to get to is because I'm confident in the material and can get back to it, I'm comfortable going off and coming back. Um, at least I think that's what you're trying to get to, but there's a lot of preparation in being unprepared, uh, effectively unprepared. I mean, you know, walk up and be ineffective, but um, if you want to be effective with what you're teaching, talking, speaking, it's a core of preparation and a willingness to go off script. In fact, a lot of what I talk about is being off script. How you write your script, it's incredibly important. That's not what I focus a lot on. I focus on being comfortable going off that script because it deals with fear. Right? Your fear that you're going to freeze, that you're going to forget, that something's going to go wrong, uh, that they're going to challenge you, that you're going to get challenged by the audience. Um, those are all valid fears and you address them by having some confidence that you'll be able to work with them, that you'll deal, that you are going to get them and that you will know how to deal with them. And that's improv. I mean, the definition of improv is dealing with the things that aren't in the script. Right? Well, that's a great segue uh, into the third thing we want to talk about. And I uh, just a comment on what you said. I've learned that you prepare, but you don't plan. And, and that being very present and that presence is not just you on stage as a lone performer, but it's you in performance with your audience. What you said in the very our, the beginning of that conversation is it's almost like this little, uh, a little dance between you and them. And, and as present as you can be with listening to them, looking at them, reading their body language, getting, uh, I have this trick uh, that I've done for years where I, literally am working row by row by row getting eye ah, contact nice and i see how far in the back of the audience i can get someone to do this with their head because they'll mirror you when you're doing this with your head and especially if you're looking at them if and they're I engaged see, well that's that's my yeah. test right is, right is exactly nice so what kimberly um i know you uh with, with your speakers uh, what you'll do, you're, many times you're right there uh, off stage, and you've got them all, you know, you got them all pumped, and they're going to be great, and then and they push them out there. How do you coach them up on dealing yeah. with disasters? Because I know this, you know, it, it's the thing that you can prepare them for is a lot. Why don't you talk to us about that? Well, first off, I mean, I think it's so important to realize that disasters will happen. 
period. It, mm -hmm. It's just part of speaking. Things are going to go wrong. So that kind of takes a level off, you know, of, oh, no, you know, this, this. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. So it goes back to how prepared you are. So if you're prepared with your material and you're speaking uh, from your heart, from, you know, really understanding the message that you mm -hmm. want to deliver, Things will go wrong, and that's okay. You'll work around them, like the story that Alan shared earlier. And I think it, it, it's this is a great opportunity also to engage with the audience even more. I mean, I think a lot of people automatically think the audience is their enemy, like they hate me. Oh, really? They hate what I'm going to really? say. Oh, yeah. Oh, Why this happens all the time. People, oh, oh yeah, it, this is very, very common. That you know they're out to get me. They oh want to see me trip up. <laughs> it's true, <laughs> but that's not the case. The audience wants you to succeed. The audience mm. is you know kind of in this with you, right? Like Alan talked about earlier earlier on. So this is an opportunity to engage with the audience even more. The projector broke. Okay, what what can you do with the audience? What Stop kind puppets. of engagement? Right? There's the, now we all have puppets. Yeah, we right. all have puppets art. You Thank you, Alan. <laughs> You're gonna have a sea of puppets in uh, from here on out. But but this is a, a great opportunity to really align and and engage uh, with with the audience when things happen. I'd, I'd love to hear some of Alan's techniques, though. I want to hear what is the worst disaster you had, <laughs> or maybe the um, most surprising disaster, but the the one you just like, oh my gosh, I hadn't I hadn't prepared for that one. There, okay. I don't know if this is a disaster so much as working with. Yeah, okay. I I travel all around the world. This is going to sound very exotic the way I lead into this. I travel all around the world giving talks. And I was actually training the Imperial Thai Navy wow. uh, in infrared technology. I, I will say, however, and I was prepared to give my standard talk and, and discussion. And it's a and it, we're talking about two-day seminar where there's a lot of math and I'm putting things up on the board and I have slides and blah blah. Well, this group was not prepared for that. Uh, they had assigned people to record on video. I had two guys photographing everything I did. Two people assigned to just taking notes, because basic math was a challenge. Uh. It was, and as I'm presenting my material, I realize I have to keep reducing down what I'm talking about. When I realized at some point that, you know, division <laughs> was becoming a challenge, it's hand-waving concepts it drops down to. And at one point I'm talking about filling in a, a parameter and, and it's how many photos are being averaged, how many images are being averaged, less critical. But I put the number 64 in and it was videotaped and photographed and people wrote it down. And then somebody asked why 64? They had asked lots of questions but they weren't really prepared for the answers. So this had been going on for six hours now. Why 64? There are reasons. They involve noise reduction and statistical things, blah, blah, blah. I, I can't go into this. So I looked out and I said, well, it's my lucky number. <laughs> now, I've traveled in Asia quite a bit. That was a very satisfying answer. They all wrote that number down. They gave the reason it's Alan's lucky number. And I'm sure 10 years from now when somebody else is coming through doing something, they'll see them put 64 in with the reason that it was teacher Alan's lucky number. 
but that whole example is really improvising constantly uh, through a piece. Uh. The disaster wasn't a failure of technology or or personal failure. It was a failure of communication between my audience and I. Right. And whatever leads to that failure, you just keep adapting. You throw stuff out. I've only got so much time left, so I really reduce down what's going on. I guess my point with all this is there's no disaster where you die. I mean, clearly there are, but none of the disasters that are realistic are where you die or the audience dies. It's always going to be less than that. And I try to work with fear in, with that in mind, that what's the worst that could go wrong? Right, because um, we imagine that, right? Exactly. If it's a technical failure, it's not that I'm an idiot, right? I mean, it's not like they're going to have a less opinion of me. So now we're all working together because they want to solve the problem, I want to solve the problem, to come up with an alternative. And the worst is that we have to reschedule or change somewhere and try to give them some feedback. Sure. But at best, I, I do a puppet show or I do something to get the information across to them without the technology we're relying on or something there. Um, if I freeze, the audience gets tense with you. Right. I'm comfortable right. saying, hang on a second, I gotta check my notes. And I look and I'll s admit, that was uncomfortable, let's go from here. Uh, again, with, that with probably Kimberly, works, doesn't it? Yes, what Kimberly said can't be emphasized enough. They're not hoping you fail. They're as uncomfortable as you. They want it to right. work. They want success. Right. So work with them. Bring them in to the process. You know, hey, I think I skipped a section. I'm going to go back and do it again. Come with me. And the audience loves you. They love the, they love the person who admits what's going on and, and kind of clarifies for them their discomfort. They sense something's wrong. Well, I... Sure. I, I love this. We're gonna take we're gonna have a little bit of time for questions, but what we've you know what we've learned so far is how how to engage an audience, um, how to get into character, and how to to kind of channel uh, that expert uh, that that confident character, and then how to deal with disasters. And uh, we learned about sock puppets, so yes. uh, that that'll be fantastic. And. If people want to spend more time with the two of you, I understand you're doing a workshop on June 26th, so it's a week from Friday. Um, Kimberly, how do they learn more about that? Sure. So we're going to cover everything about public speaking from the content side of it all the way to the performance and go well into depth there as well. Tons of tricks and techniques and what can you do and what should you do and how do you prepare and I mean it, it's kind of the best of the best of Alan's material and, and my material combined which we're so excited about this and so they can go to strategicsamurai.com and there's a banner right on the home page there uh, linking to the workshop or they can just go to strategicsamurai.com slash workshops and all the information is right there Perfect. Thank you. Um, so, so we have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get back to the questions. I just want to let everybody know. If you're not a member of 805 Connect, I'd encourage you to join. Go to 805connect.com. It's free. Uh, we do lots of interesting things like this. Uh, we're a catalyst for conversation here in the community in the region, and we take that real seriously. It's very fun. I have the. I think I've got the best job in the region because I get to have these kinds of excellent conversations. Uh, we do this all with sponsors and partners. If that sounds like something that's interesting to you, or you know someone uh, that might be aligned with our mission, 
uh, let me know. I'm very easy to get a hold of. You can find me anywhere. And so I want to thank the two of you because I know some people, they budget 30 minutes and they've got to go. We are going to post this at Perfect Your Performance. That'll be the blog post at 805connect.com and people can sign up for the live workshop. So uh, as we come into the last couple of minutes here, there were a couple of questions uh, mm -hmm. Max put up here. One was, um, Kimberly, when you're coaching people, I'm gonna go back to my this slide. When you're coaching people for a TEDx talk, uh, do you generally do uh, loose outline and kind of wing it or improv it or, or is it, you know, word for word? What, what, there's kind of two ends of that spectrum. Great question. So we start with a very general outline to make sure that you have one idea worth spreading. Not mm. 10, not 50, but one idea. So it goes into from a general outline to a very specific outline to writing out the entire talk from beginning to end to rehearsals and rehearsing and rehearsing, but we don't use notes, right? So we start rehearsing and then we're putting the papers down and then you can use the papers to uh, refer to and then putting the papers down and rehearsing again. So eventually you are giving your entire talk um, and you're really in the moment of doing right. that talk. So you have practiced the flow of exactly how you want it to go from beginning to end, but we never want to sound like robots, right? So especially jokes. Um, I would highly recommend against forced jokes. Um, usually jokes are oftentimes come up naturally, things that happen in the audience, things that go wrong, perfect opportunity for a joke. Uh, anytime though you practice either if it's a line or a sentence or a paragraph. Um, the audience is, is smart and they're going to pick up on that and you're going to really lose your trust oh, and break, break that trust rapport, with the right? audience. And, and right, if you sound robotic and rehearsed. So, so it's a really fine line and that's where practice comes in. Great question. I, I want to dig into that for just a second because I've been um, – uh, your um, plus one at some of the conferences that you go to uh, where you learn about this. And I remember one uh, you did with Roger Love, who's one of the top vocal coaches in the country, if not the world. And he would have people come up on stage, kind of a hot seat situation and say, well, you know, tell me your story. And then he'd start to critique. And you'd hear these fantastic stories, like amazing. And he would just look at them and said, you memorized that, didn't you? And I, I was, how did he tell us, help us understand the nuance between that feeling like I've told the story for the first time and it coming off as memorized? What? Oh, that's good, that. Mark. Re really good. Um, this gets into vocal work. So there's so oh. much you can do as a speaker. So there is your performance and, and how you're going to carry yourself and, and how you're going to interact with the audience. There is the content. Yeah, good job, Mark. There's the content itself and how you're going to structure your talk. Hmm. There's also the, your voice, and your voice is almost a character. Wouldn't you agree, Alan? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So this is a key character that you don't want to dismiss. You can use things like pauses to draw anticipation, right? You can 
use tones and you can go higher in your voice to um, talk about excitement, something that might be excited, my voice will go high. But if something is very sad, I might want to take my voice very low. You know, so, so you can start to play with emotions and play, play with even the sounds of your voice. And if for the people who speak very often, this can happen. They, they're going to tell the same story again and again and again. You have the responsibility as a speaker to inject new life into that story. Tell it a different way. Tell it from a different perspective. Maybe it's a third person telling the story. So you can start to play with it and the, the core story remains the same, but it's the delivery that changes. Alan might have some ideas here too on, on that. Well, yeah, Alan, earlier you said um, that you, you have a plan. I mean, you don't have a plan. You've prepared and you have a script, mm -hmm. but you actually like to take those little journeys off script. Um, yeah, and the, and the question is well formed. How do you tell the same information or the same story and make it right. sound fresh each time? I go back to finding that person in the audience or whatever it is about the audience that's unique and telling it to them. Oh. When I have observed people that are telling the story that they're telling a joke or a story that's meant to be funny and it's not, they're often just telling it to themselves, even if it's just a couple of people. They're, you know, hey, I've got a story and they're desperately thinking about repeating that story and they've lost connection with the people they're talking to. If you tell the story while looking in somebody's eyes, you're you're working with them and it changes every time. I mean, you, you have nuances to whether they are clearly hearing you or not. Now with a big audience, what, sort of what you were talking about, Mark, is you pick out somebody in the audience and you tell it to them. And now I roam, I'll talk a little bit to somebody and then I'll turn to somebody else and be working with them as I tell another part of the story. But it's that human interaction. Are, are they smiling? Did, I, did right. they understand it? Do I look like they're confused and I need to go back and and that's what makes the storytelling different each time. And you two have heard me tell the same story many times. We were and, going to talk to you about that, actually. Yeah, and, and there are times when I'm not interacting with the audience. It, I'm sure it sounds dull. I'm just flat telling the story. But if I get feedback from the audience, I can tell there are people for whom it's brand new and I'm working with them. I know the story's humming. It's working. It can work very well. It's very effective. But it's when I've got that connection. So I've got another question here, and this uh, comes from Max. Hey, Max, how are you? Um, it's uh, talk about that. Go back to the awesome intro. Uh, I, you know, my training was, uh, you know, have a humorous anecdote, open with humor, and that's the way to do it. But the more I listen to the two of you, the more I'm convinced that is the act's opposite of what to do. What's the, how do you craft an awesome intro? Well, there's a lot of opportunity here. Uh, what I found to be the most effective and in the training I've done with kind of some of the best of the best in the industry is opening with a personal story that I spoke about before. So and in improv, Alan has taught us, which is what I love, is that when we start to do a scene, you are starting in the middle of that scene. Well, the same oh, thing can right. be true when you open your talk. You want to start in the middle of this story that you're telling. So where are you? What are you feeling? Who's around you? What's going on? So what that does with the audience is it gets them um, self-reflecting and imagining, okay, if they were in this situation, what would it be like? Or, you know, if you start off, Mark, I worked with you on a story, and I think you started when I was 
18 years old, this, this thing happened. So, so immediately the audience is putting themselves, okay, what, what was I doing when I was 18? And it, and it really is a great way to engage and then again build that trust that you want right off the bat. Alan, Alan do you have, what's your, do you, do you have a, a preferred way of opening, even when you're doing, it sounds like all the talks you do are uh, technical talks. Do you have a, a way to kind of get them eating out of the palm of your hand in the first 30 seconds? Oh, God, yes. Um, <laughs> in fact, shortly after this, I'm going out to the local university to talk to a group on infrared testing. <laughs> and it, I have my standard joke. And sometimes I get tired of it. And so I will change it around a bit. And every now and then I challenge me by walking up and making a joke on the spot. These two in improv know there's something we call 185, and I'll just play that round. I love 185. Right. So it, it varies. I don't think there's a problem starting with a joke, but I think Kimberly gets to the real issue. You need something real that's a story and what works for you. I mean, I, I can spontaneously tell joke just because I have some structures around that. I'm comfortable with it. But I've been to plenty of speeches where there's no joke, but that opening story is compelling as hell, right? You're just focused on that. And I think that's what, what Kimberly's trying to get to is the idea of finding your story and, and what works for you to get that across. Um, and, 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 you know, it's fabulous. I mean, my opening joke is infrared testing will make you incredibly attractive to members of your opposite sex. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. <funny. laughs> so, but that works for me. Uh, it's not necessarily what your story or your interaction is going to be. So, well. oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Please. I'd love to add to that too. No, I think I cannot. If if everyone listening to this webinar, if you take away one thing from this webinar, please take away the importance of story. It is so critical. If you think about it, what are you going to remember most from this webinar? Well, chances are you're going to remember the sock puppets, right? You're going to remember some of the – Alan told some great stories on this webinar. People remember stories. So you have an opportunity to use stories in your talks throughout. Sure, it's great for the opening, but you can also sprinkle other stories across to make a point. And that will really help your audience bring that information home rather than just saying, okay, I heard a really good talk today and now I'm off to the next thing. But really using stories, that really um, helps helps them remember. And I also wanted to add too that in that opening story, you definitely want to make it relate to the theme of what you're talking about. So you might not want to tell a story about the disaster of your high school prom if it doesn't go anywhere right so so make it make it relate to to the theme of um, what you're trying to get across and I, I know you've been you were at a conference where there were a couple of hundred people who were figuring out their stories and you were telling me that they had to um, you had to tell your story in five minutes then four minutes then three minutes then two minutes then a right. sentence so One getting sentence. it distilled uh, so that's fantastic. I've got an, I have another question here from uh, Joe Strandell. I want to emphasize oh. that exercise. That cutting oh, it that down exercise. in time oh. to get to the essence. That's do that if nothing else with your stories. 
figure out how to Can get to the poetry of it. You, you cut out. You cut out I, just a little bit for me. I just I'm want to sorry. Make sure I, I can't you. emphasize how emphasize how uh, enough how wonderful that technique is. Take your story, however long it takes, and cut it in half. Cut it in half. Cut it in half. Down to a sentence. Getting to the essence of your story. That may not be what you present. You might want to present something with more than one sentence. But for you to get to the one sentence emphasis, now you can change the story around as long as you get that one sentence. God, it's an amazingly great exercise. There you go. That's the, that's the tip uh, that I promised everybody. So one of the things about these conversations is I want them to actually, I want the people listening to have that tip that they can go use today. Um, right. that, that's adding value. I mean, they've invested now 40 minutes of their valuable day, their lunch hour. We'll see. By the way, um, let us know in the comments if this is a good time for you uh, to do it during your lunch hour. I've got another question here uh, from Joe Strandell. Joe's got a local podcast here in Santa Barbara. Mm. I recommend you Google him, uh, S-T-R-A-N-D-E-L-L. He talks to really interesting people. Um, he wants to know, um, is there a recommended book on how to tell stories or your favorite book about speaking? He says there's a book by Robert McKee, McKee, yes, M-C-K-E-E. -E. Um, but do you have some books if people want to dig into this that are specifically around speakers and speaking? The great question, Joe. There's a couple of different um, thoughts that immediately come to mind. One is... There is a TED playlist on storytelling. I highly recommend you go take a look at that. Um, it, it has, it's like the best of the best speakers telling stories. So incredibly inspirational. You'll pick up something different from every single one. So that's, that's great. Um, I also recommend you follow Bo Eason. That was the conference that Mark was recommend, or he referenced when I went from uh, we went, you know, from the story to the all the way down to the sentence. He is a master at storytelling, and he uh, is very active in social media now too. So there's great inspirational uh, things that coming almost every day about story and storytelling. So I would highly recommend uh, him as well. Uh, as far as books. This this is a tricky one. There are so many books mm. on storytelling because if you think about it, storytelling has been around since as long as any of us can remember. I mean, that's that's how since we had campfires. Right, right. So there are tremendous, um, tremendous. Alan might be able to weigh in on specific ones, but you'll you'll everyone you'll read will give you a slightly different approach and a slightly different point of view and so it's really to um, I think this is an opportunity to explore and try a couple different authors a couple different um, styles to see what resonates with you the most Alan do you have um, I'm sure you do have some favorites um, I was thinking about books about storytelling storytelling specifically and I don't have any specifically on storytelling my my work and reading is always around improv and the work around improv, but there are a couple of them that I recommend to people who are trying to get to the essence of what comes out of that and can be applied to life in general, whether it's speech or anything. First one is called Truth and Comedy, which will get you to the sense of what improv is and, and what's really appealing and what takes the audience's attention in a good performance piece and, and I think all that goes into storytelling. It's a big influence on my improv work. Uh, truth and comedy, 
um, I was pulling out my phone so I could find these books and, and reference them also on my bookshelf you right have, next to me. You have a couple back there. <laughs> yeah, <there's, laughs> exactly. Uh, there's only one truth in comedy you'll now have no problem. The other one, though, that just recently came out that I love is called Yes And. And I'm going to try to find you the author because that might be a harder one to... Isn't, isn't that the book that's done by um, uh, Second uh, City? Yes. Second City. Yes. And it's, it's their right. book around business improv? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's so incredible. Good. It's about so creativity and finding... Have you, have you read it, Kimberly, yet? Yes. I'm starting to. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just. I, on your recommendation, I picked that up and just starting to. It's really good. Yes. So I, I recommend that highly. Uh, uh, ah, shoot, now I lost my reference. I wanted to give you who one of the authors was at least. Joe says Again, he has that book in his library. So that's say yes and and, and um, Second City. It's their business manager who wrote it, and it is truly. Ah, oh, there we are. Who are you? Uh, Keith Leonard. There you go. And we have a Leonard on our call who's uh, in the local Toastmasters. So Leonard, uh, oh, he didn't ask, ask a question, but I had a, a long conversation with him about Toastmasters. And that's a great, great place to go in and get reps, right? Yes. There's, I think absolutely. There, like, there's a dozen Toastmaster uh, clubs here in town, and they all have a different vibe. So you can go try them out and I've not done that I should go try that uh, like I have any free time I'll give you other one reference and he's a Toastmaster guy but he's a master of observational comedy it's really a structured process around Toastmasters work his name is John Kindy he writes a Can blog called K-I-N-D-E got it and the blog website is called Humor Power recommended highly the guy's fantastic oh and really instructive. He's one of those deconstructionists that can tell you exactly what's going on and how it's working and why and gives uh, exercises and challenges for people to try. It's He's wonderful. Well, thank you both so much. Uh, this is our uh, an experiment in going long longer form because people had known it's great. If people had asked us, you know, they said the ideal time was 30 minutes and then I get feedback that it doesn't go long enough. So what we tried was kind of open it up to um, questions at the end and everybody stayed on. So thanks everybody. We really appreciate that. Uh, so um, till we talk again, uh, if someone's interested in uh, the live workshop, Kimberly, is there still room for people? I know you're keeping it to a small group. We do. We want it really to be a small group so that we can do a lot of one-on-one -on -one in interaction, but right. you're going to come out of this experience with an entire talk ready to go. Oh. Um, and, a, and a powerful one at that. So, so it, it's it's an intense day. I won't lie. I mean, it, it's going to be roll up the sleeves, you know, and and we're going to do some work. But it, it's going to be an incredible experience. So yes, um, we do have a couple spaces, and they can just go to strategicsamurai.com/workshops. And uh, the date again is next Friday, a week from tomorrow, June 26th. Great. And uh, where is it at? It's in Santa Barbara at the Narrative Loft over in the Funk Zone. Great. And, and I have yeah, one last on question here. Oh, great. So uh, I, Max Max just volunteered to help us in uh, any 805 Connect functions. So 
we'll tell the world, yes, thank you, Max. We'd love to have your help. He's uh, been, he was very helpful with our TEDx Americana, American Riviera, Americana, American Riviera. Well, thank you very much, everybody, and uh, enjoyed uh, this conversation with the two of you. Uh, I like this idea of having more than one. It uh, gives us a chance to bounce back and forth. Um, thanks for all the support on 805 Connect, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.